That's not appropriate. That's, that's really, really not smart. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Hey, Shannon. How you doing? I'm good, honey. How are you? Usually you greet me first. That is right. We all know it's I tell my husband the news, so... Yeah, it's really your show. I just show up. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't do it without me. All true Because I'm your husband. Yeah. Yeah. How was your weekend? Wonderful. Yeah, we actually got to spend one together for a change. Yeah. You had a big presentation at work last week, right? All about podcasts at USA Today. That's very true. How'd it go? I think it went very well. I think the company understands that podcasts and audio content on smart speakers are really where people are getting a lot of information, and it's important for us to be there. My biggest takeaway from your presentation was that all of the new podcast listeners are between the ages of 16 and 24. So that tells me that our show is bad. Because <laughs> those people aren't married. They don't care about cute, older, married couple. I'm so glad you weren't at this presentation because I do think that there are some people who listen who are single and who are young. And we even have kids who listen to the show and they listen to it over and over and over. I suggest we change the format of our show to appeal to that younger demographic, Shannon. We changed the name to I Tell My Boyfriend the News, and I act even more aloof and disinterested, I think. Um, the answer to that is no. We're not going to be doing that. Good thing I'm in charge. I'm also not sure I could act more aloof or disinterested. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you're here after all. I'm pretty much at my limit. Yeah, more di- aloof and disinterested would just be me not showing up. And I'd just be like... I think you might say this. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got some uh, new five-star reviews, a whole handful of them this week, which is nice because it felt like we were going through a little bit of a drought. And now now when it rains, it pours, Shannon. I love it. Thank you so much to ASMR under my hat. Maybe that's how you say your name. But thank you so much. It was a very nice review. Also, we got one from Steve, Jim's friend. We know that person. He's a friend of your brother. It's very nice of him to uh, review our podcast. Yeah, I like how he identified himself. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm glad he gave us five stars because it would have been awkward if he hadn't. Next time we saw him in New Jersey, we'd just be like, What the heck, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. We also got three five-star reviews on Stitcher. Which three you can, of them? Yeah, you can do that on Stitcher.com. And it's JNew, Rosie SFO, and Sharky. Thank you so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. It means the world to us. It really does. Keeps us going with our podcast coming out every week. 
If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars if you like our show. Uh, you can always tweet us. I'm at Dusty Terrell. I'm at Shannon Ray Green. Or you can send us an email at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com. A dry January is good for more than just a healthy liver. Here's what else will improve if you stop drinking. January is almost over at this point, Shannon. I mean, <laughs> I think that that boat sailed. I think you could do like a 30-day if you want or... Dry January slash February. It's entirely up to the both of us. If I was going to do a dry month, I'd rather do February because it's shorter. Mmm, smart. Yeah, save myself those extra two or three days. <laughs> this was written by my colleague Kevin Wheeler. If you're looking to take a break from drinking in the new year, you might be helping more than just your health. Many Americans would benefit financially from a dry January, according to a survey conducted by the Harris Poll for TD Ameritrade and provided exclusively to USA Today. And millennials have the most to gain. Who's that? Who's that, honey? That's you and me. That's right. You know, you did not pique my interest with the the health because who cares about that? (laughs) But when you started talking about saving money, then I I started paying a little closer Ah, attention. All right. Well, I think you might stand to learn a little bit that if we take better care of our health, we could save money in the future. Present Dusty is not concerned (laughs) with future Dusty. Oh, man. The survey, which included 1,011 adults aged 23 and up, found that millennials spend about $300 a month on alcohol, or about $56 per outing. Those millennials must not live in D.C., because <laughs> it's going to be more. <laughs> By comparison, Gen Xers and Boomers said they spent $151 and $97, respectively, on booze each month. Dining out plays a big role in these costs, as 58% of millennials surveyed ordered alcohol or an alcoholic beverage when they eat out. Lauren Shaw is 25 and a people operations manager who has been taking breaks from drinking over the past four years. She said, quote, with food comes alcohol. Living in San Francisco, you order hummus and a glass of wine and you've just spent $50, unquote. Shaw committed to her first dry January in 2016, soon after she turned 21, mostly to detox from the ravages of a rich holiday diet. But she soon found that she was saving a lot of money, too. For Shaw, a weekend of drinking could cost anywhere between $300 to $400 on the high end and $50 to $60 on the low end. Shaw said, if you make a commitment to not drink, it all trickles down to making smarter decisions. When you're not drinking, you're not going out as much, so you're less likely to eat garbage and go to bed late, unquote. Just over half of millennials in the survey intend to take a dry January this year, compared with 35% of Gen Xers and 23% of Boomers. While millennials ages 22 to 38 are of prime partying age, many tend to live in cities where there are more opportunities to drink and where the cost of going out is higher. That's according to Molly Passantino, a senior retirement and annuity specialist at TD Ameritrade. 29-year-old Christopher LaBelle is a hair colorist from Cleveland who is doing his second dry January this year. Wait a minute. There's only one January per year, Shannon. You can't fool me. (laughs) I think you know that it's this year that he's doing his second annual. Oh, I see. He did his first out of curiosity, but was shocked when he realized what he had saved by skipping the drinking. He had spent $300 to $400 every month by drinking one to three times a week. 
LaBelle said, quote, it was easy for me, but hard for my friends. A lot of people don't like to drink alone. So if you're with someone who's drinking, they'll say, oh, just get one martini with me, unquote. LaBelle shares company with 81 percent of millennials in the TD Ameritrade survey, who also said that cutting back on alcohol made them realize how much they were spending on it. LaBelle said, quote, we know how much we spend on our mortgage, our credit card, but we don't always know how much we're spending on a glass of wine or going out once or twice a week, unquote. According to Passantino, the savings gained from cutting back on alcohol can have a transformative effect on finances. While financial situations differ, limiting alcohol can be a great way to pay off debts or start saving for a big purchase. Passantino said, quote, if you have any idea of what you might like to spend money on, it becomes easier to say no to that beer, unquote. But for those who are already abstainers, there are similar ways to save, Passantino said. For instance, non-drinkers can cut back on online shopping or look at their monthly subscriptions and decide whether they need both Netflix and Hulu. I've always found that uh, dry January might save you a little bit of money, but you just lose it come drink twice as much February. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's not appropriate. That's really, really... Not smart. I think you and I don't drink that much as it stands now, so there's really no reason for us to intentionally take a whole month off. We just do it on like special occasions here and there. Yeah, I don't think either of us would be okay with spending 300 to 400 in a month on alcohol. No, I don't think this month will even get close to that. We went to dinner with some friends one time this month, and I had maybe a couple of beers. And so, like, maybe I'm up to 20 bucks for this this month. You and I are so thrifty. Yeah. I like to get all my calories in other ways, like candy. Mm-hmm. Restaurants must hate dry January, though. Huh? I'm sure they do. And waitresses and waiters, they probably hate. The lack of tips. November, December comes around. They're just rolling in in the dough. Everybody's eating out, celebrating the holidays. And then January comes around and it's just... Crickets. Famine. I think you're right about that. I think if if all millennials decided, if we got up that number to 100% dry January millennials, the uh, booze industry would just crumble. (laughs) I wonder how many of those people who are participating in dry January technically didn't start until January 2nd because New Year's, you know, mm. New Year's Eve, you're probably out out drinking and then, you know, that's going to go past midnight and oh, boom, yeah. you've wasted your whole dry January. <laughs> I think that's a bit of the problem with indulging is like it's not good to have the feast or famine outlook like oh i have to drink more because i abstained is really silly so drink twice as much february i don't advise it i think it could be a thing (laughs) if i owned some sort of alcohol company that i would try to (laughs) i would start putting commercials on tv it's a good idea if budweiser wants it uh they can pay me some royalty checks. Just email us at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com to find out where you can send those checks. But it's a good advertising campaign. So. Is your eye the next frontier for small screen tech? 
first look at new smart contact lenses. This was written by my colleague Edward C. Bag. Is this real or is this a Black Mirror episode, Shannon? You know, that has been on one of the other headline options that I saw for social is like, not just Black Mirror. This is something that's happening, you guys. The eyes have it quite literally. Someday when you walk down the street, an augmented user interface will appear like a floating screen above your real life surroundings. You may discreetly see your heart rate, glucose reading, a weather forecast, real time translation or a map or maybe the name and title of the person you're about to run into. Oh, that would be so helpful. (laughs) I'm so bad at names. What was your name again? You might think I'm describing Google Glass or some other kind of bionic spectacles visible to the outside world. What you're wearing instead is something way more inconspicuous and straight out of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, a pair of smart corrective contact lenses that you can control with subtle eye movements and gestures. Corrective? You and I have 2020 vision, <laughs> so we can't participate in the future, Shannon? Is that what you're telling me? Ugh. I don't know. I think probably the reason we can't participate in the future for a while is because it probably cost a ton of money oh gosh yeah in an off-site hotel room during last week's ces trade show in las vegas ed Beg was treated to an early demonstration of mojo lens billed as the world's first true smart contact lens the defense advanced research project agency or darpa has reportedly shown interest in a smart contact lens developed by the imt atlantique engineering firm in france The patented lenses are still a prototype under development from a venture-backed Silicon Valley startup called Mojo Vision. One of the lead investors is Google's Gradient Ventures. Google parent Alphabet had worked on, then halted, a project involving a glucose-oriented smart contact lens. Commercial availability for the Mojo lens is likely about two years away, with the more immediate use cases in the enterprise space, areas such as retail, medicine, public safety, and hospitality. Eventually, though, the hope is that any consumer will be able to wear versions, even those of you who don't necessarily need to correct poor eyesight. That's you and me. Yes. (laughs) The lenses also promise to help anyone struggling with low vision impairments. And Ed noticed at one of his demos, he was able to make out people and objects in a darkened room. He didn't actually wear the contacts. Mojo set up other elaborate ways for him to look through the lenses. In one case... Ed wore a VR-type headset that gave him the experience of selecting menus and items on the screen, initially by keeping his head steady while his eye peered off into the periphery. He found it a little more challenging than learning a new computer mouse. Suffice it to say, there's no way to tell at this point how comfortable they are, but these are standard scleral-type lenses that use rigid and gas-permeable materials and other polymers that in theory anyway should make them feel the same in your eye as similar non-smart lenses. A scleral lens is designed to vault over the cornea and rest on the white of the eye, the sclera. It is commonly prescribed for those with irregular corneas or dry eyes. You'd be able to use normal saline eye drops. The contacts will be custom-fitted and prescribed by a regular optometrist or eye doctor. But the Mojo lens also contains a teeny 14K PPI display, which Mojo Vision claims as the smallest, densest display ever designed for such a purpose. Lest you freak out about placing electronics in your eye. I am freaked out about it. (laughs) The company says the whole system is safe and won't consume much power, with a tiny radio inside transmitting microwatts that are many orders of magnitude smaller than any of your mobile phones or other devices. Oh, I'm so surprised they think that it's safe. (laughs) 
You mean the the company <laughs> that stands to to profit from you sticking this into your eye? It still has to have a power source. I mean, it's a little tiny battery in there. From what I've known from my time on this planet, Shannon, for my life, don't put batteries in your eye. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's a bad idea. Words to live by. Yeah, it's good advice. <laughs> Mojo is working closely with the Food and Drug Administration, which must give its final approval. The lenses are classified as medical devices. The FDA did grant Mojo Lens a breakthrough device designation, which is likely to fast-track the process through clinical trials and such. And Mojo announced a partnership with the nonprofit Vista Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Palo Alto. The company is pushing the concept of invisible computing, where you have the data you want when you want it, but are not otherwise bombarded with or distracted by data you don't need. The idea is you won't look weird to the outside world either. Smart sensors will help the smart lens determine whether or not to bother you, such as when you're reading a book, focused on work or driving, says Steve Sinclair, a former Apple executive who is now Mojo's senior vice president for product and marketing. Such a sensor might be able to detect when you're sitting in front of the wheel of a car, for example. Besides eye gestures, the company says you'll be able to control the lens interface with voice commands. You may eventually hear audio, too, when appropriate, not directly from a speaker in the lens, but via wireless Mojo accessory you might wear that's hidden inside a helmet, hat, visor, or necklace. The system uses a proprietary wireless system to pass data from the contact lens to their accessory. It uses Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to move data from the accessory to your smartphone and 5G or Wi-Fi to send data to the cloud. For now, Mojo isn't saying much about how much these smart lenses will cost, but you'll almost certainly pay a premium above what you currently shell out annually for contacts. Equally unclear is what, if anything, insurance companies will pay towards these premium lenses, or how Mojo will pass along the cost of replacing lost or broken lenses to the consumer. Some contact lens wearers know how all too often these may pop out of your eye. The company figures the lenses should last a year or so before they need to be replaced, and that battery life should last all day. Eventually, Mojo might produce different colored lenses to appeal to people who wear colored contacts for cosmetic purposes. It's also likely that beyond the different prescriptions each of us has, the smart capabilities of the Mojo lens will differ from what your neighbors can do. There could even be a curated Apple-style app store someday filled with just what you want to do, play games through your contacts. I got an idea, Shannon. Oh, yeah? These things are going to be expensive, right? Oh, yeah. You and I make the same product for half the price, but you're going to have to experience lots of pop-up ads throughout the day. <laughs> Just right in your eyes. Ugh. That sounds so eerie and terrifying. That is a Black Mirror episode. Ugh. It's an idea. I like the I like the being able to recognize people and tell them tell you their names. Yes, that would be huge. Yeah. Yeah, there is something interesting about having it that close to your eye. I mean, I do think that we're going to be in a world where augmented reality is really everywhere. I just don't know how fast that's going to be. We're in the future, Shannon. <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah. I'm tired of these old Eyes that don't see cool stuff. <laughs> Put new stuff on them. Oh, man. Put a battery in my eye. Ooh. I'd be really fine with wearing it as glasses, though. I'm going to go home, I think, and try to mock up a prototype. I'll just uh, 
I think I'll put some tape on a uh, tiny television screen, maybe a big battery, <laughs> and stick it some right. Tape. Stick it right in my eye. Oh, or I think that this startup needs to hire you. Definitely, I got good ideas. <laughs> And last today, we've got the lightning-fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. MLB team makes history, hires female coach. Nice. Way to go, Giants. Yeah. I'm still not going to watch baseball because it's boring. But But hey, progress is progress. Yeah. A newborn lime green puppy named Hulk will steal your heart. The dog's three-hour labor went smoothly until the fourth puppy emerged covered in lime green fur. Liquid from his mother's stomach probably stained his fur in utero. The green hue should fade in a few weeks under a steady routine of baths and licks. Do you think the father dog saw that one come out and was just like, what the heck? (laughs) I'm not green. You're not green. (laughs) Something's wrong here. (laughs) Marriage Story actress sues Cruz over bed bugs. That makes me itchy just thinking about it. <laughs> do little is a do skip, reviewers say. I kind of expected as much. Is Payless really planning to make a comeback? They should change their names to pay a little bit more or else we'll go out of business again. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on I Tell My Husband the News... Well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called The News. (laughs) I Tell My Husband The News is part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com or find them wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.